What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to episode 25 of Two Dudes with Sports News. As always, my name is Garrett. I'm here with my co-host. What to do, what to do. This is Jalen Prince. Hey, so we want to apologize for a bit of the sporadic recording. If you listen to these in order and as they come out, you're not going back and listen to these at a later date. Uh, life gets busy. Things happen. We're back, and we want to give you guys an episode this week. So um, let's get right into it, man. We we got some big news coming out of the NFL. Uh Tuesday was trade deadline time. By, by far one of the most busiest and most um, active trade de- trade deadlines that we've ever been a part of. It was crazy, man. I mean, some of the trades, like, we already know how I feel about the James Robinson trade. Um, don't get me wrong, ETN is great, and I love the way he's been playing. But we, we could be here all day talking about what's wrong with my Jaguars. But we did take a step forward, and now I think I know what we're doing in the draft. Um, so kick it off my jaguars took calvin ridley away from the falcons for a 2025 i believe yeah 2025 or 2024 conditional second round pick and a 2023 conditional fifth round pick and those conditions regard him making the team you know re-signing restructuring a bunch of stuff like that so even because he calvin ridley for those who don't know is currently suspended indefinitely for apparently betting on the Falcons Jaguars game last year, which he wasn't playing in, and now he's playing for Jacksonville. But I, <laughs> I find the irony in that. But I think that's great. But I think this is a great pick. I mean, I think one of the biggest things that Jaguars needed was a true X. We've got two Z's and a Y. We don't have an X receiver, and now we do. And I'm excited to see how this plays out. Trevor's got a new target, and I wait think- by X you mean what a slot. No, no, no. By X. so X. Sorry, be outside. Sorry. Yeah, I keep, I keep. Uh, yeah, like that was the one thing. Out of all my football terminology, it was always uh, the <laughs> those, the wide receiver terminology. Cause me, cause me, all I know is wide receivers one, two, and three. All right. So as a former receiver, let me tell you. So X and Z are your outside receivers. X tends to be more your pass catching guy. Z tends to be more your blocking guy, possession guy. X tends to be more your field stretcher, at least in most. And the Y is the slot. Y is your slot guy. Got it. So, and that's in your basic kind of three wide receiver set. I mean, um, like for what Calvin really is going to bring to you. Um, somebody said like the best comparison that you could think of with Calvin really was Stefan Diggs. And I, like, I, I, I had to watch so much film of Calvin Ridley um, and Diggs. I, I don't see the route running per se, yeah, because those are top like you're talking about two top notch route runners at will. Um Diggs has more surefire hands than Calvin really does. Not saying Calvin really doesn't make con- like consistent catches. He can. It's just Calvin really style is his own style. He just brings that Florida thing. He he yeah, he just brings that Florida he thing. He brings that him. South Florida swagger to it, man. I love it. I mean it's Ridley was always a good receiver, and I'll take Baby Diggs as a wide receiver. I'm in. I'll take it. I'd love Stephon yeah, either, Diggs. Either way, either way, you got either way you got a true number one. And you see what Stephon Diggs has done for Josh Allen. You seen what AJ Brown is doing for Jalen Hurts. You seeing what Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle is doing for Tua Tungvaluwa. You see guys when you're able to get a wide receiver that can get his own, and like you just need him to have a quarterback to be able to get him the ball when needed, which Trevor Lawrence, uh, Trevor Lawrence is capable of. Because look, Christian Kirk is doing a terrific job. But like this year, yeah, he's doing fine. He's he's beating the expectation that a lot of people have for him. He's just like being a number two, and he's shown to be like a a pretty good number two. 
Yeah. The only thing about it, like he's a number two that's trying to be a number one, and he's not really a number one guy. You bring in the Calvin Ridley, who's a number one, and you combine him with Christian Kirk along with the other receivers that you have on. You get you might you might got something. I think we plus, do. Plus, like uh Doug Peterson, he he's a terrific coach. We've seen a lot of flashes as far as like what he could bring to Trevor Lawrence. And this offense is just like you just need more. You need more pieces. You need more talent, and you you need experience. So we need a true one. And I think you and I talked about this before we started recording. Ridley's going to come in hungry. I read something earlier that said Ridley is probably going to be the most in shape player for camp when he comes back next year. I believe it. Technically, he's suspended indefinitely. I think he's back next year. I don't see why not. Yeah, he'll be back next um, year. I think he'll be back. Year. They said it was a year suspension. Yeah, he'll be back, and I mean, he's gonna be in—he's gonna be the most in shape. He's gonna be hungry. The second the trade went through, Calvin Ridley posted a highlight tape to Twitter, and he's been all Duval everything ever since the trade happened. Which I mean, I like to see. I, I want somebody who's happy to be here. So I think it's gonna be fun. But I mean, plus he's before, home. Um, plus, remember, he's home. Yeah, he's back near home. I mean, he, okay. So before we get into before we break down every single trade. Who were some of your winners and losers at Tuesday? Uh, my two, my three winners actually. My top three winners, I would say. Number one is number one. I'll go Philly. Number two, I would go Miami, and number three, I would go the Niners. But right now, I am. But actually, I would say, yeah, I'll go my scratch it. I'll go Miami number one. I'll go Philly number two. I'll go the Niners number three. Uh, with Miami number one, you're getting Bradley Chubb. From what we see for the Dolphins defensively, we see them as being a, a, a heavy blitz type uh, type team. You get a guy like Bradley Chubb, who's a young stud, and not to mention, I think the report said like he just signed a five year contract. Yeah, um, he just signed five year, hundred ten million. You also get Jeff Wilson Jr. back too. Yeah, you get Jeff Wilson Jr., who's had some experience. Not to mention, um. Miami and San Francisco have been making a lot of like consistent deals with the running backs lately because like you, you think about Matt, they used to have Matt Breida, they had uh they still got Raheem Mostert, now you got Jeff Wilson. So the committee is like coming in for Miami as a whole. But you see offensively they're already set and continue to get better with the playoff tool. Now you have to sure fire that defense, especially getting quarterbacks on the ground in a division that has Josh Allen. Right on, on like with the Bills. So you're able to get a guy that can get quarterbacks on the ground. That says a lot. Um, that trade right there with Bradley Chubb, that says a lot for the whole organization and the future of it. Going back on like basically saying that two was our guy, so we're gonna build around him and we're gonna surefire this defense that way we don't have to blitz a whole lot. Yeah. And I'll be taking back. I'm eating my words right now on what I said about Tua um, in the preseason. Tua's been showing out. Told you. And here's the thing. The fact that he was out with those injuries for three weeks, that did more good than it ever did any harm. Here's yeah, he's coming why. back fresh. His coming back fresh, coming back more experienced, coming back with more, like, more time on his years and coming back healthy, that's the top-notch reason. Here's the second thing. Miami's offense was never the same when he left. No, and I, I, that I love showed Teddy. the value because yeah. people said like, "Oh, Miami got Teddy Bridgewater. They Teddy should start over Tua." No, you saw how that worked out. Then they I got love Teddy. Guy. Teddy's you not saw Tua. How that worked out. Yeah, Tua 
he may not have the biggest arm, he may not have the strongest arm, but his decision, his decision making, his reads, and his accuracy is top notch. It's the stuff that you can't see. It's the stuff that you can't see off the rip is what he's great at. And some of the stuff he's really good at too, you can't teach. Really can't. No, so I'll it, say Miami's that one. Um, of course, for Philly, getting Robert Quinn, you're adding more depth in, at a position to be able to get um and to be able to get more pressure on the quarterbacks of your opponents. Plus, Robert Quinn, he's gonna be a good mentor for a lot of the young guys that's on that Philadelphia defense. Um, yeah, so there's that for Philly. Number like really, this could be number two, but I got it marked as number three. Um Christian McCaffrey, Christian McCaffrey getting traded to um getting traded to San Francisco. Like we saw, oh, yeah. we saw what he did to the Rams. Oh yeah, um, we'll, we know. We'll what talk he a little did. bit about. We'll talk a little bit about some Panthers. But I, a little I, bit. but I got, but I had that one number three simply because like I look at the message that the Dolphins are sending with getting Bradley Chubb. I got, I, I see what Robert Quinn can do for this Phillies defense going forward. And but and then you got to and then of course Christian McCaffrey. For me, my winners are again. I'm, I'm with you 100. Uh, Miami and Philly are one and two right there. I mean, Miami shows that they're they think this is a team. They think they're ready. Philly is making a push, and they just won again tonight. As of recording this, they're one of the only. They're I think they're the only undefeated team left. Yeah, they are. And the one where. I think my other winner that nobody's really talking about too much because it wasn't at the trade deadline. Kadarius Tony going to play with a quarterback who can actually throw him the ball. You see, the reason why I didn't rank that as high, even though we know the potential of it, but we've seen a lot of instances where we said, all right, big talent going with other big talent. We expect to see this, but until we see it, that's not uh, until we actually see it. Not really gonna put a whole lot of hype into it until we actually see it. The thing that um, killed it's a, Twitter had fun with that when that trade happened. Do you see all the the gifts of Forrest Gump running and all the braces coming off? It's like Tony finally being healthy when he gets to play with a Super Bowl contender team. Yeah, to, to a degree. <laughs> um, the Roquan Smith to the Ravens, uh, I think that was huge to a degree. It's just. Look, the value of it, the value of the middle linebacker is still up there. It's not as fading as much as it is for a running back, right. but it's not as high, um, high value compared to an edge rusher, a Christian McCaffrey, or like just a receiver in general. Like now, Roquan Smith is one of the top defensive players in the league, uh, one of the top linebackers in the league, and has tremendous talent, but knowing what the Ravens have been through this year defensively, I, I'm wondering, like, he's going to have an impact, but I don't see it being that big of enough impact where, you, where, you know, like um, the Ravens are going to compete for a Super Bowl based off that move. No, I mean, they the offense has to come together more. Now that Rashad Bateman's going to be out for a longer time with the foot injury. That's yeah, yeah, for the year. Yeah, he's out for the year. Speaking of Alfie, either Michael Thomas is also out for the year, which surprises nobody. Um, Wait, he played? I He at least was in or able to play, but now he's out for the year. He's back on injury reserve. Man, if I'm the one, let's just go ahead and move him. <laughs> first round pick for him. Just go ahead and move him. 
Get him out be, of here. Because I'm going to be honest with you. His value may have fallen, but not that much because, like, a lot of people still believe, like, they could do some things with him. Yeah. But go go ahead and move him. Just, when he's just, healthy, he's one of the best receivers in the league. I, and we thought we and we thought we was gonna see that this year, especially after what happened in week one against yeah. the Fal- against the Falcons after that comeback, because a, a, he he was he was feasting on AJ Terrell. Oh yeah. And so it's just crazy to see. I'm with you though. So like it, for I think my biggest loser of the trade or um, the trade deadline, and also the most shocking trade for me has to be the Lions trading TJ Hawkinson in Minnesota which is in the division and now to me i would say the biggest losers are the teams that needed to make trades and did not make trades i'll give you that too i'll give you that too oh brandon cooks too uh because i think he wanted to be out of houston true but like, i i won't say he's the biggest loser uh he can't control that uh, no he can't i, I just it, it sucks for him yeah but the one thing that got me the most uh I, I do want to draw attention to this uh, because the Bears traded Chase Claypool. Do you remember who announced the George Pickens pick in the draft this past year? No. It was Chase Claypool. So Claypool, to my knowledge, is one of the first who made people him, ever. Who, who made him mean? It, Claypool is, I think, is the first wide receiver I know of to ever announce his replacement uh, has been drafted. <laughs> Man. <laughs> You can't make, you can't make that stuff up. No, that's so funny. I, somebody brought that to my attention like uh, earlier this week, and I thought that was incredible. That the man who's like, oh, we're picking this guy, and what you don't know is he's later going to replace me. Like that's crazy. But I, I just yeah, the trade. This was definitely one of the more active trade deadlines I've seen. I don't know what the Bears are doing. Jerry's still out. I'll see how they draft before I pass judgment on all their trades. Bills only got better. Chiefs only got better. Um, the Zach Moss Neheim Hines trade, I feel like, was just kind of a net meh. Um, but beyond that, yeah, there was some the, the Bradley Chubb trade I didn't expect, and then William Jackson finally got his trade too. He's out of Washington and he's over to Pittsburgh. And speaking of Washington, I'll about to bring it up Dan Snyder selling the team or trying yeah. to at least, and they might be the, the I Washington Jeff Bezos's. I work for Tide, Tide 100.9 here in Tuscaloosa. We got a, like, I got a co-worker that's a huge Washington fan. Um, once he got the news, the dude was ecstatic. He even, like, we were both producing a live radio show. And um, after he told the radio host of the show at the time, uh, immediately got the mic and was um, just brought himself on that show just talking about that. He went into detail everything that Washington fans have been through under the helm of Dan Snyder. And it's I'm like, nuts. I'm happy for him. Shoot. I know, I know how that feels. No, I'm happy for like, him too. I mean, I, yeah. I, I want, I want this to work out. I think it's wild that Bezos wants to buy the freaking team. I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. Like you talking about people like buying a team. Like this is an opportunity because as much as we talk about diversity um, for like head coaching jobs in the NFL, um, this would be a good opportunity for a lot of people of like you know the minority to try to find a way to get their foot in the door and become owners of an NFL team. Well, now um, that you bring Jay-Z, have you even I seen who's trying to do it? Jay Z. You know who else been trying to do it? Oh, RG three. Would be good. That that would be interesting. You think he could afford it? 
Uh, apparently, according to Twitter, he's got four hundred million in capital ready to go. God, that joke was saving money. Yeah, well, he's also now doing announcing and commentating and stuff. So he's true, and, he's been, sure. true, and he's been killing it. Like he's been doing yeah. a terrific job doing broadcasting. I love RG three. Like his, I love co- his color has been like very precise, been articulate, and I like listening to I like listening to. It's great when your color so, commentator knows what the hell they're talking. It's going to be interesting. Do I see another minority uh, owner coming to Washington? I doubt it, just because it's, I think it's voted on by the other owners and other owners and the commissioner of the NFL. It's got to be voted voted on, and like you know, how, you know how that is. So, yeah, I see. That's just, that's why I don't know if Bezos is actually going to get to do it because if they have. Thursday night games with his company. Like, I don't know if that's a conflict of interest. You're or talking about like Amazon? On. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. But now we're getting to, we're getting to topics that I know nothing about. Yeah. I don't know what kind of conflict of interest that may be or what would happen with that. Um, but I mean, it's interesting. I'd love to see a RG3 uh, Jay-Z thing. So what a, I, I got some wistful thinking for us. Um, RG3, tweeted out that he's also trying to bring in 10 fans uh, at no cost to them as minority owners. So I know you and I are Commanders fans, but uh, I jumped in the comment section and threw our hat in the ring. So fingers crossed we might be minority owners of the Washington Commanders at some point. <laughs> okay, you want to talk about some crazy crap? <laughs> first order of business. Carson Wentz, you're out. <laughs> That'd be crazy, man. I'm like, I, why not? I'm like, this second is never going to happen. Second order business. Got to find a way to get a top 10 cornerback. Exactly. I'm like, this is never going to happen. Why not? So I jump in the comments. I'm like, hey, we're in. Let's do it. So, hey, and, we'll see. Well, speaking of crazy things, uh, let's jump into college football a little bit. So we'll very right before we, we Right before we do, hmm. got to get a big shout out to my Seattle Seahawks. I got to get a big shout out to Geno Smith, and I got to get a big shout out to Pete Carroll. Remind Geno's you, him. Remind you, I was so so critical on my Seahawks going in this yep. year because I kept saying we're gonna get a top ten, we're gonna get a top ten pick, hopefully top five. We'll get Bryce Young, and hopefully Pete Carroll is gonna like this would be the end. I was wrong. Pete Carroll does not end. He did it right, and after seeing what like Russell Wilson struggling with Nathaniel Hackett. And you see with Geno prospering, I give credit to Pete. I give credit to Shane Waldron, the offensive coordinator. Uh, I give credit to John Snyder for making, like, smart draft picks. I think Pete Carroll giving up the helm of the draft picks, of, like, making those draft picks, um, I, that was tremendous because drafting Char- on Charles Cross and um, and the right tackle, off, whose name I forgot off the rip, and getting Kenneth Walker. Kent Walker's a dog, who's man. Been a dog, who's been a dog this year, um, as well as Damian, as well as your boy Damian Pierce, who <laughs> might be the top two candidates for offensive rookie of the year. But I think Kenneth Walker is going to get the edge of it because this team is winning. That might um, be it. Yeah. Not Shout to mention Damian Pierce. Not to mention uh, yard performance tonight. Tariq Woolen, who yep. has been outstanding, but just the job of Geno following the game plan and just using the abilities. And just like Pete Carroll has been able to exploit uh, the strengths of Geno, and we're winning along the way. With and my man, my team, my team is going to win the West. I mean, I, it's going to be a hard fought. It's going to be a hard fought battle, especially dealing with the Rams and the Niners. We got our last matchup against the Colts this week, not Colts, but Cardinals this week. 
And then, mm-hmm. uh, no, yeah, 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 yeah. We got the Cardinals this week. Um, then I'm trying to think. We've never beaten the Rams in LA, but LA is not strong right now. No. Now our defense still has a lot of issues and kinks to work out. It's still not as great, but it is not as bad as it's been under like under like Ken Norton Jr. Right now, no. it has been really it has been really good. And plus our special teams has been spectacular. So I'm happy about my Seahawks. Now let's go now. Let's go to college football. Yeah, you were uh cautiously uh pessimistic leading into this uh NFL season. I was uh I had no hope. I had no expectations, which has actually worked out in my favor. When I go into a situation where I do not have expectations, majority of the time, good things happen. Meanwhile, I am blissfully ignorant and think my Jaguars are gonna have a Big fantastic shot. full one. Yeah, no, we're terrible. Oh my God. But again, we have We'd be here all night, and it's currently 12.30 a.m. Eastern as we're recording this. So, yeah, we'd be here all night if I were getting to my thoughts on this. Yeah. Um, but what we book about our thoughts on, let's look at – okay, what do you know about the Michigan-Michigan State fight? Uh, Let's see. There's only one tunnel in Ann Arbor. Just stupid. Um, One guy from Michigan, and, like – Apparently, they do not do a good job at policing both teams coming in and out of those tunnels because both locker rooms are right across from each other, which again is stupid. Um, you got one, you got one way in, one way out for both teams. You got a big rivalry between the two. They talk a whole lot of trash, and not to mention one one rival is doing good, the other is not. Mm-hmm. So a lot of motions that go into it. So, so the thing that I know is one of the Michigan players was already ahead. That was too got a little bit too close to the Spartan players. Was talking a lot of trash, and he got jumped. People think it was a brawl. It was not a brawl. That was getting jumped. Yeah, um, those players I think are suspended. But yes, but like, and also there's charges being and charges being filed. I'm like you might as well just go. You might as well just go ahead and charge the dude for Michigan as well for being stupid. I so here's my thing. What most people and, and before I get into this, I want to make it abundantly clear. I'm not justifying what Michigan State did. Oh no, that was wrong. Yeah, no, no, no. We're not justifying what Michigan State did, but you don't just swing a helmet just because. Like we'll, we'll go back to uh, Miles Garrett and. Um, playing whack-a-mole with Mason Rudolph, you don't just do that. Like, what did you say? What did you do to make that happen? Like, you said something. Like, nobody ever just looks at somebody as they walk down the street and go, I'm going to, like, I'm going to just throw a punch at this guy. Like, no, you've instigated something to a point. Now, that doesn't make the action right, but let's not just ignore and act like this was totally just like, I don't know what happened. So this is the third time uh, in those last seven Michigan home games, which standoffs and scuffles between the host and the visiting teams are taking place, this, uh, per an article. Um, two weeks ago, Penn State football players found themselves in a halftime shouting match with the Wolverines. While there were no reports of explicit violence, Michigan defensive back R.J. Moten, Moten, however you pronounce your name, I apologize, went on to claim someone from the Nittany Lions, quote, threw a peanut butter and jelly sandwich at his face, which is hilarious. Uh, <laughs> 
that's funny to me. But um, after that, Franklin no- or Coach Franklin noted, we're not the first team that's had issues like that. Under the current structure, we won't be the last. Um, offered a simple solution to the recurring tunnel complex by proposing a two-minute or minute buffer between the two teams entering the tunnel, which each heads to their respective locker rooms. Harbaugh uh, vindicated Michigan of any responsibility the following Monday while casting blame on Franklin and Penn State's team entirely for the incident. I want to make it very clear. I despise Jim Harbaugh. I don't know about you. I hate Jim Harbaugh. I don't have nothing against Jim Harbaugh, I'll be, I'll be honest I, with you. It's he just like infuriates when, me. Like the thing with Harbaugh is dog, no no know your place. Like you haven't done Jack. You finally beat Ohio State in forever. And when you did that, then you got crushed by Georgia. I just never forgot the time where somebody was trying to go ahead and compare him, like compare him or say like he's gonna be up there with Nick Saban. And I'm like, absolutely you not. Lost your mind. No, you're out of your mind. And like so Harbaugh basically blames Penn State and says they were completely stopped. They weren't letting us get to the tunnel. It just seemed like such a sophomoric ploy to try to keep us out of our locker rooms. And Franklin looked like he was the ringleader of the whole thing. Literally, Jim Harbaugh reminds me of a 10-year-old who got caught doing something on the playground and the teacher's saying, oh, well, you know, what did you do? And he's like, well, I didn't do anything. It's all his fault. And just trying to get out of trouble. When Like this – if it's happened three times in your last seven home games, there is one common denominator. You. Yeah, it's the Michigan team. And like, look, again, I'm not justifying we're, getting... we're not justifying that. We're not justifying that. Either way, both both parties was both parties were wrong. Yeah. Everybody gets held accountable. Happened uh last year during um the game for Michigan and Ohio State. Happened last year when some of the Ohio State players got chased into the tunnel. So currently, four I players. I think Michigan are... need to find a way to do something about that whole tunnel situation, or at yeah. least like they need to have better security going along with that. So something has to be done. I don't think there's anything they could do this year. Um, this got to be like an off the season, or like off season type of uh, problem solving situation. Do you know how much money the University of Michigan probably brings in just from boosters and ticket sales? For football, can, over, yeah, or like gotta be clo- gotta be close to over over some kind of million. You could you could put up a wall to the middle of that thing or and extend it just a little bit, so you get, ha- at least have a divider between the two teams as they're going in. Or something. get cone, or get cones of red rope. Well, in something. this case, blue rope. Or even better, so like, it, look, the Jaguars completely tore down a section to add another entrance for uh, another tunnel for the team. I remember that. Yeah, you can do this. You have more money than you know what to do with, probably. Yeah, but the problem is, but the problem is, like some of those alumni, and those so-called boosters and stuff, like they want to keep tradition, tradition. Dude, let them name it after themselves. They got big egos. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> what else we got? I don't care. All right, yeah. Now before we get to into that, you we got the game of the week, man. UGA Tennessee, which is now the most expensive college football uh, lowest ticket six hundred dollars. Absurd. I saw it was 129 it. before the season started. So uh, what do you, you think, man? I know I I watched your bit on uh your radio show earlier this week. Yep. Um I don't know if you saw my comment, but I mean Yep. Not gonna make it just uh I I see Tennessee winning this game. Um, I'm with nobody, you. nobody's been able to stop their offense yet. Nobody's been able like to 
it like game plan against it. Alabama did to a short bit after they were down 28 to 10 in their matchup. Yes, they would they lost it because again, they were struggling to adjust to the tempo, having them in like so many mismatches that like Tennessee kept exploring, having their best receiver being matched up on safeties and cornerbacks that were not unprepared. Uh, with Georgia is they got an elite defense, uh, Jalen Carter. They're not going to have Nolan Smith, but I think they're still going to be fine as far as trying to generate a pass rush. Um, they're going to be in Athens, which is going to help out a lot. If oh, this game sure. was in Neyland, um, it's Tennessee. I, I'm is without any hesitation. Is Tennessee de- by ninety? Yeah, but <laughs> I think with Tennessee, they're riding hard with a lot of momentum. There's like there's so much story. And their def- and their offense is high power. The defense is not great, but the offense is so high powered. I think they could go into Athens and put up a chunk point. Um, put up a chunk of points. Not only this, I'm I'm gonna say it like this: Georgia's gonna play. Georgia's gonna be in uh, like danger to this magnitude because they've let their foot off the gas. Basically, you could say four out of the last five games that they've had. You think oh, about for sure. You think about Kent State. You think about Kent State. They allow twenty two. They allowed 22 against Missouri. They beat the crap out of Vanderbilt, which we knew was going to happen. That's your two. But you let let the Gators come back in that game to a certain bit. Mm -hmm. Mind you, if that wasn't like Anthony Richardson is a good quarterback, but let that have been the Tennessee – let y'all be up by 28-3 and let Tennessee's offense get going. You're You're not stopping that bleed. No. And like Walgreens, so my- right? Aid that ain't stopping. <laughs> if that was Tennessee's offense, so I'm so if if Georgia's able to get a lead and they have a chance to put them away, they better do it fast and in quick and in a hurry. Kill their hope if they want to win. But I don't think step they're on do their necks. But like from what we've seen the last few games, they haven't been able to put away a lot of teams until like well. A lot of great. They haven't seen a lot of great teams. This is the first great team that they that they've gone against. We're going to find yeah. out, we're going to find out a lot about this team. Are they going to put up or are they going to shut up? Well, you uh, said it on I, your I show Tennessee. too. Yeah, you said it on your show. They're coming into their gauntlet part of the season now. Yep. And this is it. So win or this wins the SEC East and yeah, basically this is has a seat at the table. Basically, the SEC East championship because I don't see Kentucky beating Georgia at all. No, this is a playoff berth. Is what this yeah. is. Winner of this game is going to the college football playoff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No ifs, ands, or buts about I, it. I, I agree. So, well, my thoughts are so, like, again, to your point, the this is going to be an offensive shootout. I don't. Uh, I'm see... not. No, no, no. I'm not going to say that because every time we say that, it's usually not. Here's what I'm going to say. I would be. I would be a little bit. I would be surprised if it's thirty. If it like if anybody gets thirty. Before the fourth quarter, see now I disagree, and I it, the reason why I, I disagree think this is, is going to be a low. I think this ain't going to be too low scoring. I think this is going to be a, a twenty. Uh, I think it's going to be like a 31-28 type game because both defenses are going to find a way to get stops, or both offenses are going to find a way to not get enough points. We're going to see some field. We're going to see some field goals in this game. I, that's the type of sense I got because that crowd in Georgia. Is gonna be hostile. Tennessee's gonna make some mistakes, um, not early, but r- like round in different points of the game. With Georgia, they're gonna let their foot off the gas every once in a while, and 
they're going to make some mistakes as well. I see this being low scoring. It's not going to be a shootout like it was between Tennessee and Florida or Tennessee and Alabama. This is going to be a mid-scoring game. See, the reason why I think it's going to be a shootout is because Tennessee's defense will not stop Georgia. No, I think – no, 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 no. I think you talk about stop, stop, no. Can it get stops? Yes. That, so yeah, here let me let me let me get into kind of what I mean by this. So Tennessee's defense will you, we're not going to see a lot of punting this game. No, we're not. At all. Tennessee's defense will not force a three and out, or will not force many three and outs against Georgia. No. Georgia will have to I, beat I themselves. I see Tennessee getting at least about maybe I'll give them four. I'll give them four. One each quarter. See, I it, here's where I'm at. Again, Tennessee's defense will not force many three and outs against UGA. However, Georgia's defense can't stop Tennessee's offense. The only way these offenses are going to stop themselves or are going to stop is if they stop themselves. I think it's going to come down to fewest turnovers and fewest penalties. And whoever I, I, this may be, a, I hate when people say this, but I, it's going to come down to who has the ball last. That's it. I mean, this. I think this is going to be another shootout. I think this is going to be decided by three points or three to. Three to seven points. I really don't see this. Be, this is not going to be a blowout. I think last time I checked, let me see. Last time I checked, the spread was UGA by eight. I think it was, yeah, UGA by eight total is either going to be 56. I think it was either 56 points or 66 points. I'll, I can do the 66. I'm, I'm, I'll, if it's 56, I'm, a, I'm taking bro, I'm over. Tell, but I'm telling you, I think it's going to like, isn't, it's not going to be a blowout complete game, but I can see like one side getting a big lead and the other side making a comeback. Yeah, oh, for sure. UGA is not going to win by eight. They're not. And I'm, I'm not saying this is as the hateful Gator fan. I'm saying this is a realist. <laughs> this Tennessee offense is just too good. I mean, I, this Tennessee offense is just too good. And while that George defense is great, I mean, they're missing a pass rusher, which isn't – he's not the whole team. They're still going to get any pressure. They're still going to do defense. fine. No, he's not the whole defense. But the UGA offense, it, they always, you said it earlier, they find a way to just take their foot off the gas. It's the Georgia curse. It's it, not UGA in general. It is the state of Georgia curse. You get a lead, you take your foot off the gas. I don't know what it is. Again, to go back to Kirby Smart, Georgia can beat just about anybody. The thing that I'm really going to be paying a lot, uh, paying a lot of attention to in this game is just how both teams start off. Like, what's the early yeah. game plan to begin the game? Because with Georgia, are they going to try to, like, run the ball, control the clock, and make sure that Tennessee doesn't get the ball a whole lot? Uh, what also, else can you do? Uh, also, how is Hendon – this is this is going to be the final test for Hendon Hooker's uh, Heisman campaign. Oh, if he wins against a Heisman, done. This is going to be the final test. This is the final thing. He gets it done, he wins the Heisman, but also that, that's not, not just that. How are you going to handle this type of environment? Because all the big games that you've handled, you've been home. You had Florida. Right. You've had well, – I scratch that. All right, didn't Tennessee play against uh, Pittsburgh at the beginning of the season? Yes, they played against Pitt, and they also uh, – they played at Pitt, and they also played at LSU. So they've been okay. in – yeah, they've been in Death Valley, and they played a, a very close game in Pittsburgh. Okay, so Pittsburgh – okay, mind you to our audience, we understand Pittsburgh is not that good. But in the beginning of the season <laughs> – uh, still a hostile environment. First game of the season. They yeah, Pittsburgh catch right that there. Was, that that was um 
I think that was an overtime game, wasn't it? Yes, it was an overtime game. All right, 34-27. Hooker has some experience going into that as far as like being in a close game. Not to mention he has some experience being in a hostile environment, albeit he wasn't batting rouge at 11 a.m. compared to what Bryce Young has got to go through Saturday going into Baton Rouge at a night game on Mm -hmm. like at 7 p.m. But at the same time, uh, Hendon Hooker, has that experience being in hostile environments and they find a way to put on put up stuff. Not to yeah. mention Tennessee's defense allowed 13 points to LSU's uh, LSU's offense. And I think that was during a dark time and that was during like the bad times of Brian Kelly and LSU. But at the same time they still put up 40 40 points on the road. Um the defense like can get some can get some stops. We're going to see it but again I'm going to be looking for how both teams start that game, and I'm like I'm going to be looking to see how Georgia offensively is going to game plan. Are they yeah. going to like try to control that clock and kill as much clock as they can to make sure Tennessee doesn't get on the field as much? And if that's Tennessee, what I would and, think. And if they do that, is Tennessee going to find a way to get and like get stops? We're going to find out. But I, I mean, can't I think see that game. I know Georgia ran a little bit of tempo against Florida. I think they're doing the exact opposite. I think they're walking all over the field, taking as much time off that clock as you can. I think it's the only way the score stays low. But I think we beat this topic to death here. Let's talk about uh, a massive change coming to another SEC program. Once again, another Auburn head coach has been fired. And now the buyout uh, number over the last few head coaches is absolutely wild. So I actually found this. Do you want to hear what the current Auburn head coach buyout number is at? Sure. So Gene Chizik, when he got fired, they paid him $7.5 million. Still felt like they shouldn't let him go. Yeah. Gus Malzahn, 21.4. I really felt like he should, and they shouldn't let him go. Where's Gus and Malzahn at, at right now anyway? UCF. Got right. So you're looking at uh, almost $29 million already. Slap on Harson's $15 million. Half of which is due like in a couple days. So you're looking at, shoot, almost $45 million in coaching <laughs> or in, uh, in money that your buyouts for coaches, which I think is just an absurd number. But the most absurd thing that I've been seeing, have you been seeing some of the names that they're talking about for this? Potential new job? Yeah, one of one of them including uh, Jackson State's head coach and NFL Hall of Famer on primetime Deion Sanders, which I, which I'm look they're gonna I know this offseason a lot of a lot of Power Five schools and a lot of big media wants him to go to again a Power Five school and big media and Prime has already said on nu- numerous occasions that. He's going to entertain the offers. He's going to take the phone calls because you don't want to burn bridges like that. You completely yeah. understand. But at the same time, I'm probably not going to Auburn. No. He, he, he's not going He's not going to Auburn. It's not like he can't handle it. There's nothing Prime can't handle. But he ain't going to Auburn. No, I wouldn't go to Auburn either. And like, So here's my thing. They are trying so hard to pull this man. The media is trying so incredibly yes. hard to pull this man away. They literally found the fact that he is flying to Atlanta uh, at some point. And they're like, oh, he's flying to Atlanta, which is the nearest major airport to Auburn University. And he's like, the li- Prime even said it. He said the lies are going to come from everywhere. He's Dog. like, I don't – like, and, and, I, this is so that, dumb. And I'm like, y'all, like people keep reaching, not to mention is if anybody's ever flown Delta, 
You always gotta stop in you Atlanta. Have to go through Atlanta. It's Atlanta or Houston. There's only two. <laughs> like that's it. If you fly in Delta, it's one of those two. It's Atlanta or Houston. And honestly, if you've had a flight anywhere that's been more, if you've had a two-leg flight anywhere, you've been to one of three airports. You've been to Chicago Midway. You've been to Houston. Yep. Or you've been to Atlanta. Yep. Atlanta is the biggest airport in the country. And to say that you haven't flown to Atlanta at some point if you're flying through a connector would be wild to me. Yeah, but, but anyway, we're not we're not here to talk about we're not here to talk about airports. But th- like, that, look, that's enough plain talk look, from Jalen and Garrett. <laughs> look, they they are reaching for prime. He look, he will be a he will be a big time surefire hire for any power five that gets him. But understand this: he's not doing prime's not doing this for the money. He's on a mission right now. And it's, for the H- and, and it's for the HBCUs. And real, and real people got to understand that. But the people that do understand it, they don't care. They just want to see him out. Stop reaching. Until it's he, the same. He ain't leaving until his, his mission gets done. It's the same people who were sending Travis Hunter, you know, hate mail because he didn't go to Florida State. Like, leave it alone. This, this is, is a like, child. You're a man in your 40s sending hate mail to an 18-year-old kid. Like, one of you is very clearly in the wrong and needs to have a long look in the mirror. Yeah. Like let let Prime do what Prime's gonna do, even Prime, if he were to take a power the, five he, job. He's gonna do that regardless. Um, but yeah. like to, but Prime not going but Prime not going to Auburn. No, and he, here's the thing too. Like you're not taking the first job that comes your way. No. If he leaves Jackson State, it is going to be for a uh Steve Spurrier type deal. So like Steve Spurrier when he went to South Carolina, he's like, I want a helicopter to take me to or uh to from my house to practice. South Carolina said done. At least yep. that's what the story is. But like yeah, you, it yeah, would have to be a deal like that. It would have to be like, something absurd. But to me, prime not going to Auburn. Now no. the one person I wouldn't mind like going to Auburn that I'm hoping his name his name is in there, Bill O'Brien. <laughs> I would love to see Bill O'Brien leave anywhere. So the the big three that I keep seeing are Prime, which we've agreed is never going to happen, Matt Rule, which is the only one that makes sense out of the three to me, and Lane Kiffin, which I think is the so dumb. I, why would you leave Ole Miss? You wouldn't like, not right now. I mean, you would leave no. Ole Miss for Alabama, but like yeah, you wouldn't leave Ole Miss for Auburn. That's a step back. I'm not sorry, it Auburn really fans. That's, that's a step back. I mean, it, it, which is it, it the, really where the is. programs are. One of you had one of you's had the same head coach for a couple of years. Is competing for bowls. Is competitive in a lot of games. The other one has now on your fourth head coach, and I think probably six, seven years. Like, you're not the same. <laughs> you're not the same. So I don't know. We'll see. It'd be interesting to see Matt Rule come from the NFL to. A power five school and the, one of the hardest conferences to play in in college football, if yeah. not the hardest conference to play in in college football, and try to get his edge back. Um, but yeah, I mean that's that's my thoughts on that. Um, you got anything else you want to add, man? Nah, man. All right. Well, let's do one thing. Normally, do these at the top of the show. I figure we should probably do them in the end. Uh, I want to give a couple shout outs to the people who have left us some five star reviews and some comments. So I want to give a shout out to the uh, Thing About Us podcast, the Geeky Dad podcast, uh, Unfiltered and the Stupid History Minute podcast. Yes, that is the name of the show. Chime In podcast, Rest in the World podcast, Fan of the Van podcast, and the Visit Vegas Places podcast. Thank you all for your reviews. We really do appreciate it. Um, We'll be sending the love back in a little bit. So uh, speaking of reviews, 
If you like the show, do what they did. Tell us. Five-star reviews. If there's a name, we'll give it a shout-out. Um, if you want to interact, or you can do that on any podcast platform that has a rating system whatsoever. We're on literally everything. And if you want to see whichever one you would prefer, if we're on that one, because we probably are, uh, check us out on Facebook uh, at Two Dudes of Sports News or follow us on Twitter at TDSN Pod. Uh, every single time the show goes live, we post uh, a link trade link where you can choose your preferred you know, method of listening to. If you haven't leaving reviews, again, thank you, thank you, thank you. We appreciate it. Continue to leave the reviews, five-star reviews, comments, all of it. Listens, feed the algorithm gods. We don't know why this works, but it does. Keep us moving back up the charts in the direction we want to be in. So, again, thank you. We really do appreciate everything, and we'll see you next time. Peace.